You're listening to the Improve Photography Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by ImprovePhotographyPlus.com. Improve Photography Plus is our premium subscription site where we put up all new tutorials every single month with lots of new content for you. This month, I started posting the Felix Hernandez tutorial, uh, which is already getting a ton of views on there. It's a really cool tutorial, so definitely want to check one out if you're a member. All right, on today's episode, I have Brad Getch. Hey, Brad, how are you? Good. How are you, Jim? I'm doing awesome. Um, so Brad, we were talking just before we started recording about, uh, storage of photo files. Um, and this is something that every photographer faces. Um, I mean, it will not take long for a photographer to fill the internal drive on your computer. Even if you've got a large one terabyte internal drive on your computer, I mean, that's going to fill up pretty quick, especially if you're shooting time-lapse or video, but even stills, I mean, a a few shoots and it's full. Um, so what's... What's your solution for uh, for storage? Um, so I want to kind of see where you're at because you have a lot less data than I do. Uh, so I think it applies to more of the people listening to this. Uh, yeah, I'm sure I do have a lot less data. Um, I, I work off of two uh, four terabyte spinning hard drives. They're just the Western Digital, my passport hard drives. I've had pretty good luck with the, the brand. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, like you said, it didn't take long to to fill up my uh, internal hard drive, and had to had to break into some uh, externals. Uh, I use one as you know my main, and then one as a backup stored in a fire safe. Uh, probably should have it off site, but it's on site at the moment um, in a in a fireproof safe. So uh, that's sort of my system right now. And then I I go in and mirror it uh, about once a month just to kind of keep things up to date so that I've got redundancy in my data. Do you feel like you, I I guess I have a lot of questions about that. And then uh, we'll kind of flip the lid and uh, or flip other sides of this and talk about the more data and kind of uh, the way that I'm doing it. Um, But do you feel like you're, pretty diligent at doing the backup once a month because for me that's aspirational and <laughs> it's it's more like every four to five months uh you know i i say it uh, i shoot for the first of every month and here we are we're recording on the 12th of february and i have not done it for february so no uh not as diligent as so i would should you say be. it's been six weeks yeah. since you've done it or more yeah about six weeks okay yep. yeah see that's that's a major something that's holding me back uh, from a better solution right now is I do I have a pretty good storage long term because I have one that I'll keep separate that uh, has everything backed up but for me to completely back up all my dro- all my data takes about three days of them running <laughs> and right. so uh, if I do that every month that's just a lot to do. And so really it ends up being every four to five months that I uh, go in and do that backup. And so for my solution, I have to just accept that it is possible that I could lose four months of, of photos. Uh, but, but, you know, at some point you got to draw a line and just say, okay, I can't spend my whole life backing up. Right, right. It is, yeah, it's a lot of work and it's just one of those things that's hard to keep track of and when did I do it and I need to do it and I just keep thinking I need to do this, I need to do this and it just doesn't doesn't always get done. So mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. So are you so in Lightroom you have all of your photos on an external drive or do you have some on the internal as well? There's a few on the internal but not many. Uh right as we speak there's probably about not more than a couple dozen. Um, but yeah, everything else is on that external. Hard- In fact, lately, a lot of my shoots, I've been hooked up to my external. I just import directly to it. Um, 
just to try to speed things along if I can. Yeah, that's good. That's what I do as well. So I've been mentioning on, uh, I think I mentioned on one previous podcast, but I've also been posting in our Facebook group uh, about my woes with Drobo. <laughs> so mm-hmm. a Drobo is a, it's a RAID enclosure. It will allow you to put four drives in this box, and it shows up as just a regular hard drive on your computer. And the advantage of it, of Drobo specifically, their company, um, is that you can put in any size drive and different brands of drives, etc. And it just works. It, it allows you to do that. Most of these RAID enclosures will not let you do that. You have to have all of the same drive. You know, you have to have all, whatever, four terabyte, eight terabyte drives in your Drobo. So that gets really expensive if they have to be all the same drive. Because Mm -hmm. you, you know, as soon as it fills up, now you have like a $1,500 expense uh, or more to just put drives in this thing. You know, if you've got six drives in your enclosure and you got to go, you know, your four terabytes are full. So now you got to go buy eight terabyte drives, you know, and eight terabyte drives, it it costs about $300, $350 now. Uh, So times six, that's a significant expense every time they fill up. So that's what attracted me to Drobo initially was the box itself is really not that expensive. It's a few hundred dollars. And then you can put in whatever drives you have. If you have an, an external drive, you just unscrew the, the box around it and stick that in there. You can buy a couple other drives and stick them in there and it makes everything work together. Uh, so that was the promise of it for me. Have you looked into Drobo at all? You know, I, I have. I was looking at it uh, uh, somewhat intently, uh, and then I started seeing the woes you were having. Mo- a lot of it related to their customer support, and and that that gave me pause. Um, I'm not at the point yet where I have enough data, but uh, I'm shooting more and more all the time. I, I have looked at them, and I, it is something I would like to add to my gear collection for sure. Yeah, and and I guess for most people, I would recommend for most photographers doing it the way you're doing it. Uh, because as long as there's a single drive that can fit your data, that's fantastic <laughs> to just have a yeah. simple external drive. It's inexpensive and, and you're all set. Um, but there is a limitation to doing that. When you have just one simple external drive, it's not going to be as fast as having multiple drives in a RAID, RAID enclosure. Um, right. Because it can have those five drives working to grab the data, and each of them sends one piece uh, through. So it, it's just super fast. If you get a, a good RAID enclosure, they can be extremely fast, like SSD fast uh, almost, uh, because you have it in there. So so it is nice, but, uh, but only if... If you really need that speed, a lot of people can can just do it all together in one external. Anyway, so I've been using Drobo for a few years now, and I've recommended them many times on the podcast. And then the problems began. So um, uh, a little bit over a month ago now, I ordered the new Drobo 5D3. Um, and this was before this was before the, the I started my goal of the uh, of the <laughs> no gear in 2018. This was before the cutoff. Uh, so I bought the Drobo 5D3, and it came. And the reason I wanted it is because it's Thunderbolt 3. So this is using a new connector that's not the regular square USB like we always see. This is the newer USB-C connector with the Thunderbolt 3 speeds. So I wanted that because I have the iMac Pro and I've, of course, wanted the fastest uh, uh, external that I could for it. 
And as soon as I got it, I started editing in Final Cut, looking at fo- photos in Lightroom, and I just felt like, man, this is going really slow. And I thought, man, something is up with my computer because uh, I still can't edit 4K video. And then I thought, okay, let's look at this the, at the speeds of this raid. And I was getting 50 megabytes read and write. <laughs> I mean, it was bad. <laughs> it's bad. You you should definitely be seeing something faster than 50 megabytes. My old right. Drobo, coincidentally, does about 100 megabytes read and write um, uh, per second. And so if you're flipping through photos in Lightroom um, and it has to load uh, you know, a 30 megabyte uh, raw file, there isn't much weight for the data to get to the computer. Most of the weight is just Lightroom being Lightroom. Right. Um, because if you're flipping at the pace of you know, even two a second, your your drobo is keeping up with that um but if you're flipping it you know three a second four a second then yeah you know lightroom is waiting uh for the full preview to come from from the drobo it can do the little quick preview uh initially but to fully load it's going to take some time so that's one thing to recognize if you're using an external enclosure or something like that before you go and blame lightroom that you can't quickly flip through photos um you may want to look at, at your external storage and see if that's playing a part in it. Uh, do you have problems with that, Brad? With Lightroom? Yeah, with just flipping slow? through photos in Lightroom? Sometimes. Even when the photos are on my hard drive, there's no question Lightroom's still not the speed demon we all want it to be. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but uh, when I'm when I'm working off my uh, my external hard drive, it's I wouldn't say it's any worse. It, it's it it, it it works. <laughs> I'd love for it to be faster, but we'd always love for them to be faster. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, and Lightroom is working off previews, of course, to, to show mm-hmm. that photo initially, and it should be working with better previews um, for all of them. But anyway, so I had this problem with the Drobo that it was way too slow, so I emailed in customer support. A couple days go by. And then I finally get a, a response that it, that basically just says, uh, turn it off and on again. <laughs> and then uh, send us a, a report of your speeds using this program. And I thought, dang, I mean, that's exactly what I had already done. Um, and I had mentioned that, that I had already done that in the email I sent them. But I mean, this is classic customer support. It's, it's frustrating, right? Um, and so I wrote back and I said, okay, obviously I've done that, um, but I'll do it again. And I sent them the thing another three to four days go by. And then I get another email that says, turn it off and on again, uh, et cetera. And it, it was just going back and forth like this for like two weeks of just, you know, uh, uh I don't know. It's like four days between emails. And I thought, man, I, you know, I've spent what, $700 on this new Drobo and it's slower than my previous one. And so, you know, I'd like some satisfaction. I spent $700 with your company. Uh, So I called in to them and the guy says, okay, I don't know what's going on. I'll take it up to advanced support. I'll call you back this afternoon. Obviously, I didn't hear back from him that afternoon like Mm -hmm. he promised. Um, And so I sent in another email, nothing. Three days later, another one-liner email from advanced support. Sorry for the delay. I reached out to advanced support again. Nothing. (sighs) Finally talked to advanced support, and they didn't know what was going on either. And so I said, hey, look, if you can't fix it, I I need you to either refund me or to to replace this product because because it's just clearly not working and we've been going back and forth for three weeks 
And the guy says, I'm sorry, I just can't do that. And I, so then I'm stuck. It's past the return window. I spent $700. They can't fix it. And I've spent hours now going back and forth with them. Obviously, this is going to be a pretty frustrating customer service experience, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. uh, so I, I posted on, uh, on the website about, uh, about the Drobo that it was a disaster um, and it was just running. It was slower than the previous version, which just makes no sense. Um, and so I, I posted on the website within like three hours. Uh, Drobo's marketing team immediately gets <laughs> sees the post and uh, has their head of customer service call me uh, from home on a vacation day. She was extremely nice, by the way, uh, very helpful and apologetic and trying to do everything she could. They got multiple people on the call um, to, to try to help me. And while I did appreciate that attention, um, what I didn't like is they're only doing that because I have an audience online. That's not cool. Uh, right. You know, if I, I want to be able to recommend their product and know that that everybody is going to get that kind of of experience. And so while it was helpful to to get that um, after complaining, um, it, that doesn't do much for all of the improved photography readers who want to know, can I trust Drobo or not? Right. Um, I'm not sure I would have gotten the same the same response. <laughs> yeah. It, you see, know. And that's just really unfortunate. Um, cause I mean, it was a pretty obvious situation where it's half the speed of before we've been going back and forth for three weeks, like easy, right? Like either refund or replace this thing. If you think something's wrong with it and they just, they wouldn't do either. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I continued working with their advanced support, which was super nice again, um, for a few days and, um, uh, and they still aren't really sure what happened. They said, I have 5,400 RPM drives because a lot of them are older, um, you know, because that's the advantage of Drobo, right? Is that you can right. continually just when one fills up, you just get whatever the new tech is, the new drive and pop it in. Um, right. But what they told me on the phone many times is, yeah, you can do that. And yes, Drobo can work with different size drives, but it actually le- works way faster if they're all the same drive and they're all the newest tech, 7,200 RPM, and your SSD is this specific new architecture that I couldn't find anywhere on their website telling you to get this specific SSD for the little bottom part. Um, And so uh, the advantage of Drobo, of being able to toss in whatever drive, is then negated because it really barely even works at speed uh, if you don't have all the same drive and stuff. And if you are going to have all the same drive and all the latest tech, then you might as well get a different enclosure that can work like way faster than Drobo. And so I went shopping. Um, <laughs> I got permission from everybody on the Facebook group. I said, look, I've got to replace this thing. It's not new tech. It's just replacing the one that I'd bought before. And everybody gave me a kitchen pass on that one. <laughs> so, <laughs> even, even, even Jeff? Even Jeff. Yeah, Jeff said a, it passes. It, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I bought the Lassie 6 Big. Um, and I'm sure they're not perfect either. Uh, but I did test their customer support like almost right away. Uh, I called in and like the phone rang for like one second and somebody answered and the person was knowledgeable and fixed my problem. Uh, even though it was a little bit convoluted of an issue, it wasn't uh, wasn't uh, super easy. He uh, remoted into my computer and spent like half an hour with me and clearly knew his stuff and fixed my issue. And I was like, 
ha, huh, yes, that's what should happen when you spend a lot of money with a company. They, they need to be, you know, be able to make their device for work. Um, so I, I am happy with it. I've run tests and it's running super fast. Um, even in RAID 5, which has some redundancy. So if one of your drives dies, you can just slip in a new one and you haven't lost any data. Right. Um, even with that turned on, I'm getting like 900 megabytes a second. That's, that's fast. I'm happy with that. If you go to RAID 0, you can go over, I mean, you're over a gigabyte uh, per second. Uh, but, I, you know, I don't want to do that because I want to have the redundancy. Right. Um, so, right. so it's faster than Drobo. Uh, it was certainly expensive. Uh, but I, I guess the way that I felt about it, and, you know, so many people were asking, why, why did you eventually switch if they've been good with you for a couple of years? It's that... Uh, I I can't recommend something that I don't believe improved photography readers are going to have a good experience with if they have trouble. And their customer support, I felt, did not treat me fairly. Um, and so that was a major reason to change. And then just the speed, it's crazy fast. Like literally, you know, eight, ten times faster than what I was getting with Drobo. Um, under ideal conditions, I think Drobo can go much faster, but still not as fast as this. So th that's kind of the story. That's kind of how I ended up where, where I am. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, expensive, sure, but what's your data worth? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, you you got you to gotta have a good home for it. Yeah, especially if you're editing 4K video, um, you know, 100 megabytes a second just isn't going to hack it. It just won't work. Um, even and for a photographer, you know, you have a 50 megabyte raw file and you're flipping through photos on Lightroom. Yeah, Lightroom's still going to be slow uh, because it's not working on previews like it should, which would fix this problem. But also, uh, when you eventually do need that raw file data and you're flipping through stuff, um, that can be part of the bottleneck as well. Sure, sure. Makes sense. So, uh, so that's uh, kind of where where I am with uh, with the external storage. I know a lot of people were asking about this on the on the Facebook group, and we had a really good discussion. And I do want to thank everybody who commented on that Facebook uh, post. A couple of them that I made in there, I had tons of suggestions of you know Synology and QNAP and a bunch of other devices, and all of them have benefits and drawbacks. I I would not say Lassie is is the best one out there. It was just the best for my specific parameters and one of those parameters was i really wanted thunderbolt 3 since i'm using the uh the new imac pro um for a lot of people you know if that's not the case whatever then you know you may find something that's that's more suited toward uh to your specific setup um but but that was that was a key one for me um and then and then the price i mean it was expensive it was over three thousand dollars but it's 48 terabytes of data now um, and i am going to keep one of my old drobos um to be the backup for this thing and so i'll bring the drobo over and i'll i'll back up to that and keep that in a separate place in the house and uh and then i'll keep this as my my hot storage connected to the computer Makes sense. So for somebody like me, the Lassie was is one you'd definitely recommend people take a look at at least to see if it fits their their needs. Or yeah, I mean, I've only been using it for a couple of weeks, but all I can say is the speed is crazy fast, and the customer ser service I was really happy with. But again, that's that's one data point, you know. And I'm sure there mm -hmm. are lots of positive data points on Drobo as well. I would have been a positive data point on Drobo, you know, four or five weeks ago, uh, but. 
uh, as much as I wish I could, you know, test everything, you know, call in 10 times to Drobo just to check how their customer services and stuff. It's just not possible. Uh, so, right. you know, you read, you hear what, uh, what other people say, what's working for them, et cetera. Um, and, and that's my experience at least. And so Drobo, I, I, I can still even recommend it as long as you don't think you're going to need customer support <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and given the, the slower speed, they're just flat out slower in the max speed um, than a lot of their competitors right now. And so uh, it's something to consider. Not a ton consider, not a ton slower if you have their perfect setup. You know exactly how they want you to to set it up. But it is, it's it's not the leader in speed at least. All right. Um, well, Brad, you've been doing a lot with mobile photography and writing about that um, on improved photography. Uh, so I kind of wanted to talk with you and, and kind of interview you a little bit more about what you're doing there uh, with that. Where does mobile photography fit into into your workflow? Uh, you know, I, I use mobile devices for a lot of uh, uh, different aspects of my photography. Um, I wrote uh, an article on the mobile photography workflow and editing workflow a while back um, that, that went over pretty well. Um, and now, I, you know, I've just been kind of diving into what's possible with, the, with those small sensors and those small cameras built into the, the mobile phones we have. Uh, I recently upgraded, got the iPhone 10 or X, as some people like to call it, uh, and the the camera, and it's for what it is, it's quite quite impressive, uh, especially when you utilize the third party apps that are available to leverage the power of the the DNG raw files that can come out of there. The the that full dynamic range is quite a bit beyond what the normal uh, camera app is capable of of showing us. So it's 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 just been kind of fun to experiment with it. Um, it. It lightens the load. You know, if I'm out with the kids, but I want a good quality shot, don't necessarily want to carry around uh, my DSLRs, which I usually have several with me. Um, uh, it's it's just one more way to make sure that I've got a, a device in hand where I can capture quality images. So uh, that's why I've just been kind of drawn to it. It seems to be something people like to talk about right now, um, kind of comparing the images and and seeing what uh, you know what those camera systems are capable of. It's 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 fun. Uh, to be honest with you, that's that's really all there is to it. Um, Do you think there will ever be a day when the iPhone allows you to just in the native camera app just shoot raw for everything? <sighs> Uh, I think Apple has a really good reason for not having raw as an option built into the native camera app. Um, I think it's because they, they assessed that the majority of their users would not want to deal with raw data. Um, they don't want to fill up their phone so quickly. They don't want to go in and edit the image, each one individually. Um, and if, if you shoot a, a DNG file with an iPhone, uh, and then pull that file into an app that doesn't support RAW for whatever reason, uh, and the the native Photos app is an example of this, uh, the app will pull the preview, the embedded preview out of there. Um, the embedded previews, they look bad. <laughs> uh-huh. So I think, you know, if, if they did that, people would pull those previews out, they'd look at it and go, man, this camera just isn't really as good as everybody says it is, or I, I'm getting terrible you know, this camera takes terrible pictures. Uh, and that's that's the reaction people would have. So I think Apple's trying to head that off by not allowing that functionality in their native app. Um, and But opening it up to developers of third-party apps, uh, I mean, you're not going to go de- go download a third-party app that supports RAW um, unless you're ready and willing to deal with uh, 
the raw processing that would go with that and, and a little bit of understanding behind it. Um, that's, that's my take on it anyway. I think that's why they did what they did. So what app are you using to shoot raw on the iPhone? Uh, right now I have 14 different apps oh, installed my on my iPhone, <laughs> um, mostly because I've, I've been working through an article, uh, that will, should, <laughs> if I manage to pull everything together, should publish on the uh, website tomorrow. Oh, great. Um, so and, it'll be and, and, this podcast. So it'll be yesterday for the people yeah, listening. It'll to be this. yesterday. It came out yesterday. <laughs> um, yeah. Fe- hello, future people. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I have 14 of them installed on there. I've been kind of going through testing, testing them. Um, and mostly the difference is just user interface. Uh, that you're still using the same camera, the same hardware. Um, the app developers write it. I mean, it, it captures the same same exact file no matter which one you use. Uh, so it's just a question of which which user interface do you like the best. Um, and out of the ones on there, I mean, Lightroom has a good one built into it. It just, in my opinion, requires too many taps to get to it. I agree. Um, that's the only problem with it. Uh, I've been using Halide for quite a while. I, really I haven't like heard that of that app. one. Um, that's, that's been a pretty good one. Um, Camera M, camera hyphen M has been one. I, I just like the user interface of it a lot. Um, it takes, it, it, it works pretty well. It's got a focus tracking in there. So like I mentioned, if I'm taking pictures of the kids running around, uh, it's not pixel perfect, you know, it's not eye tracking, um, but it's decent. Um, so, you know, it's an autofocus tracking that, that works pretty well. Um, there's, so there's all sorts of them, uh, that are out there. There's another one called raw plus, uh, the nice thing about raw plus, if you're the person who always wants to have the, the full manual, uh, functionality of your camera at hand without having to go into a menu and deactivate automatic and, and activate some sort of manual control that one launches into full manual. In fact, there's no automatic in it at all. Um, the developer actually left the auto auto exposure out of, of the program. Oh, that's kind of nice. Um, <laughs> I like yeah. that. Yeah. So, I, I so did too. What are, so what are you using your iPhone for? Like, you know, you, you take serious photography. Are it's not for your serious photography. So what is it for? Uh, it's for any time that I, I don't want to be carrying around the, the camera equipment, um, the heavier camera equipment. Uh, I used it sort of tested it. You know, I've, I don't spend much time away from my my serious camera gear, my DSLRs and, and lens collections and things like that. But uh, recently, I was on a work trip, uh, and I'm usually the one tasked for taking photos at, at events. It was the uh, PGA Merchandise Show in Orlando, Florida, and I I took a step that I wasn't sure I was even ready to make. I I left my DSLRs at home. I left them here in Nebraska. Traveled down to Orlando, just iPhone 10 a tripod for it in case I wanted to do some kind of landscape. Uh, and then mostly just running around, just using just the iPhone. And, wow. That's and pretty serious. Um, yeah. So it was, it, and, and it worked, it worked pretty well. Uh, I thought the, you know, the different apps I used handled what I needed, um, needed to do. Um, now, if you're trying to do things like take, uh, you know, a solid landscape shot and you want to, you want to stop down or maybe get that sun star, things like that. You just, you can't really do that in camera with an iPhone. So uh, it's it's not quite there um, on that. But it was a neat test just to kind of run with it. You know, if I was making a trip to Iceland or something, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to run with just an iPhone. I'm going to bring, you know, some serious camera equipment with me on that. Uh, that's that's kind of where I stand now with it. It was just fun to try out. Hmm, that is, that's kind of cool. So uh, for people who are uh, who are 
you know, have dabbled in it like me, like, you know, I, I certainly have, of course, taken landscape shots and stuff with, with my iPhone, but, but more just as a memory that I was there, not really trying to make art. Um, what's the next step? What's somebody, if, if you're interested in this, how could you convince somebody like me to, to take it a little bit more seriously? Because to me, that's still, uh, it's just a novelty that, ah, I can snap this real quick, you know, not that, not that I'm really going to use it for anything. Well, it, it's just one more. If you're gonna, if you're going to use it, or if you want to be able to take a photo with with the iPhone, um, if, for example, and I focus on iPhone because that's what I have. Um, it, it's just nice to be able to do it a little bit better. I don't uh-huh. know that it's it replaces your serious camera system, but if you're in a situation where that's all you're going to have with you is your iPhone, you can do it a little bit better. Um, I would I would recommend sort of researching, looking into this the stuff on RAW um, a little bit, and uh, and just seeing if you have a device that's capable of it. it with the iPhone, it's the iPhone uh, 6s or later, um, so you have to have that 12 megapixel camera built in uh, in order to leverage RAW. Or older phones won't do it. Um, so it's and Android, a lot of Android phones do this, going back much earlier than the iPhone. Yes, a lot of Android phones do it, it and that is a more complicated list to put together. Uh-huh. Uh, so it just kind of depends on exactly which model you have, which device. And then on uh, the operating system side, it's my understanding you have to be running Lollipop or later okay. um, to, to be able to get the raw image uh, out of an Android device. Um, but yep, they, they will do it as well. Uh, and if you run, you know, I've done some tests. I'll show. I'll put those in the article that came out yesterday as well, um, just showing, you know, what what the native uh, JPEG looks like coming from the camera versus if I had the raw file that that JPEG was was generated from, uh, and the amount of detail is, especially if you push it into highlights a little bit. If you push the exposure, it clips so fast in that JPEG where the raw retains all that information. Do you know so the just, resolution of the JPEG previews that we're seeing from most of these camera phones? Uh, like nine from the iPhone 10, even I think it's like nine tenths of a megapixel. It's small. Oh, okay. It's really, really yeah. small. Yeah. It's like 720p basically. Okay. So it's not good. <laughs> huh. Well, that's interesting. Uh, well, thanks for sharing a little bit about uh, mobile photography. Always something I want to kind of keep my eye on. Um, what uh, do you have a, a doodad or a product of the week that you could recommend for us? Uh, you know, I was, was sort of last second to, to join the podcast, uh, so I hadn't put as much time into picking a doodad as I normally would. Um, I, you had your Western Digital Black Passport. Yep that w- that would be a that would be a good one to to throw out there. It goes with the uh, the Drobo woes that you've been having. I've had good luck with those drives. They've been working pretty well for me. So it's a uh, yeah, it's just a black uh, Western Digital uh, Passport four terabyte. Comes in a bunch of different sizes. That size works for me. Um, pretty inexpensive. Uh, just make sure you back things up. Those spinning hard drives are you know they've been known to lose data. So um, absolutely that works. Very cool. Um, and for me, I'm going to, of course, recommend this uh, new Lassie six big um, external RAID enclosure. Brad, it was good talking with you. Thank you for uh, continuing to write on the website and producing great stuff there. Good talking with you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. All right. Bye.